Does your broker tell you they're managing your retirement money on a daily basis? Really? So when they're on vacation, how does that work? Do they have computers doing their job for them? Is that reliable money management? Is it time you learned how to have reliable retirement income, keeping your principal, and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on the show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, CA Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, CA Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now higher income. Hey there, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. Thanks for staying with me. Welcome back, Brock, as we continue this hour of the program. Glad to have you healed up. Uh, listen, we're talking about your family's finances and, and hopefully getting out of debt, managing money, uh, planning for your futures, trying to figure out you know, with this latest uh, craziness, right? Have you seen the market? I've heard every explanation under the sun, uh, or I should say justification. Uh, well, Arif, you know, at least I'm, I'm uh, you know, it, it, percentage-wise, it's not as bad because what we're seeing is they're not making, uh, you know, it's not, it might be five or 600 declines in a day or in an hour, but what we're, what we are finding is that the percentages don't affect your psyche, right? People forget about the let's go to sleep at night peace of mind monitor. What index says I can rest and and sleep well? Listen, you're going to know when when the financial world, when the advisor world doesn't know what they're doing. And I don't mean like incompetence, but like they just don't know what to say. They, they, they can't control anything. And so they'll say things like, well, you're in it for the long haul and maintain your diversification of the situation so that the allocation will be. And you, and you go, that's a lot of talk. Last time I heard that was Jesse Jackson in the 90s. I haven't heard that kind of rhyming, but hey, my advisor might might have that. And so you look to say, well, overall. Is this right for me? I mean, look, you just have to know how much risk you want to take. And when we say risk, you have to be prepared for two, three, five years maybe of the money not coming back to where it is today. So maybe some, you want to take some bigger risk because you have an idea that the market is going to change and it's going to you know, double or triple in the next 10 or 20 years during your retirement. No problem. Then you keep that money off to the side. But money you need to live on, money you need to know for sure will be there in five or 10 years. That's what the safety is all about. Listen, don't listen to, to advisors whose job it is is to make money off of holding your money. In other words, your money has to be at risk for them to make a living. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, it, for them to make a paycheck, you have to risk losing your money. It's almost like a gambling thing, right? The dealer always wins. The house always wins. The dealer might be your, your advisor, your broker, the house might be the financial company behind them. But behind the scenes, what do you have? The dealer 
they, they don't control the hand. They don't control the file. They don't control the, the what, what do they control? Name, address, social security number. Right? I mean, do you understand? The process is this. How, how do you protect your money? All of that is noise. Get away from bitter arguments and disputes and, you know, one guy have a television commercial with somebody sitting on a stool and talking bad about the other guy and then the next guy talking bad guy. Just go back and say, look, this is my account. I want to retire in the next 5 or 10 or 15 years. Or I have been retired for the last 5 or 10 or 15 years. I can't afford the losses. Is there another option? And, and what's the pros and cons? Right? There's always going to be pros and cons. There's nothing that's a perfect vehicle for your financial uh, accounts, right? You always have to ask yourself. So we want to get into a few things. Number one, I want to ask you, have you done what I call four things on your pre-retirement checklist? All right, this is important because if you are planning on retiring, it's not a place you've ever been before for most people, right? So why does this matter? Because you've never been here. So it's kind of like being blindfolded and saying, okay, now navigate the room. And you're going to bump into things. Now, after you do things enough, you walk down the aisles enough, you do enough, then you'll figure it out. But how many bumps and bruises, how many scrapes bumping into the dining room table or, uh, right? You don't want to have to learn by being banged up. So what if you were able to navigate the room dimly lit, right? And instead of being fully blindfolded, meaning you've never been to this place before, Man, you know what? It's low light. You can take your time and you can walk through slowly. Is that an option for you? Because I think part of this is to understand how do I pre-plan or, or, or it's the right word, pre-retire. Then I'm going to give you a semi-retirement in a minute. Well, you're going to pre-plan for retirement. Number one, you need to make sure you're eliminating long-term, high interest, more importantly than those two things, is high payment debt, right? If you owe a million dollars and it costs you a dollar a month, well, I mean, the million dollars matters, of course. But in your retirement world, what affects you more? The fact you owe a million dollars or that you have to come up with a dollar next month, right? So don't focus on things that I think some financial people focus on because it's just a trend and everybody talks about it. What I have seen in the 23 years of this business is something simple. You care more about the payment. So plan to eliminate large payments or reduce payments. Now, I'm not a fan of you refinancing your house 15 times, but sometimes people have to do that. Now, there's a difference between wanting to do that and having to do that. So, I prefer that you have to do it, or when you have to do it, you do it, right? You have no choice. Homeless, refinance. Got it. Easy choice. But if it's, well, we need new flooring, we need a new backyard, <laughs> you don't understand we need to put our daughter in this very expensive $40,000 a year college. Okay, none of those are needs. And don't, don't buy into the guilt world that happens. I see it with stay-at-home spouses, guilt the working spouse into giving something more. I see it with kids, especially only child, especially dads with daughters, 
I'm raising both hands on that one. Right? Where you can feel like you might not be doing things right financially speaking. But you are doing it right because it's your family. It's your daughter. Back out of that for just a second. And I don't want you to refinance the house. I don't want you to go out and take a student loan debt or a parent plus loan. Because those payments are reasonably high, but they never go away. Right? 30 years, 25 years. It's, it's ridiculous. You've heard me talk about it. There's about 116,000 Americans. And that's an old number. That's probably a six-month-old number. So it's, I bet it's higher. 116,000 Americans that are currently collecting Social Security and have their wages garnished from student loans because they did not pay student loans. Right? I mean, do you understand that? You're retired. That means you're at least 62 years old to collect Social Security. There's a few cases where you can be 60. I get it. But for these people that are 62, 65, and you're receiving your Social Security check, and now you are having your wages garnished, pulled back to the IRS because of a loan that you signed your name to, either as a co-signer or as an individual, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. The Great Recession. The big dot-com bubble burst, right? Whatever that was. So I'm sharing this with you because time never goes away. It always goes forward. And if you don't pay these bills, we've got to be careful, all right? So they can hurt you in retirement. But just like things that can hurt you in retirement are the day-to-day expenses. For example, when do you pay off your cable bill? Is that a 10-year loan? Or your cell phone? Is your cell phone a five-year loan? Or not? Right? I mean, part of what you had was you've added expenses that never existed before. People never. People always had a water bill. Well, at least when they started getting city water. Before that, it was a, a well, right, in your yard. You didn't. You paid once. The gentleman or lady came out, dug the well. It's it. It's over. Now you pay water every day. Okay, we got used to that. Electricity. Well, okay, now we've got used to that for 150 years. But cable bills are this whole new thing. In the last few decades, your grandparents didn't have to worry about a cable bill when they were planning to retire. And your cell phone and your internet at home, right? That's hundreds and hundreds of dollars of post-tax money. Meaning if your cell phone bill, because your kids are still on it, and your your internet and your 7,000 stations on your cables, if all of that is wrapped into one, maybe you're paying 300, 400 a month. But really you have to earn five or 600 a month, pay the taxes, get what's left, pay your cable bill. So that means five, $600 a month that comes in the front door has already been allocated. It's already going somewhere. So when we pre-retire, step back, right? Five years before retirement, I want these four things I want you to do on your pre-retirement checklist. Number one, eliminate that long-term debt, as I mentioned. Except for the house mortgage today, they're so low in interest. Now, you might want to, right? There could be an emotional reason, a psychological reason. I get it. But from a math standpoint... If the payment is doable, interest is so small, and if the difference is I retire or I don't, then you can retire with the home mortgage. It isn't my first choice, but look, we're not talking about the best case scenario. We're talking about the most likely case scenario. Okay, second, I want you to budget 
Know what you're spending each month on these silly things. Really, we spend that much on the gym? I drove by it three times last week. I didn't stop, but I drove by it. Okay, that doesn't help. Right? It's like carrying around that membership card. Doesn't mean... Now, they're happy that they're receiving your $24 a month or $95 a month or $200 a month, whatever the, the gym membership that you locked in at a this weekend only Labor Day sale. Okay. So, is it worth it? If you're going to use it, I get it. But budget. See, what does it take? What it takes each month for you to live. Okay, the third is estate planning. Now, you've heard me talk about this, well, many times in the last 3,000 shows. We brought on estate planning attorneys. We brought on trust specialists. And the common theme that in my experience and with their education has been this. It is one of the most forgotten uh, fields to pay attention to in your financial life by retirees and pre-retirees, and that is estate planning. Please don't think that you have to treat all of your kids the same. I know intellectually you get it, but you need to emotionally get it too. Your kids are not the same. They have different personalities. They have different hobbies, habits, weaknesses, strengths. So you know that about them better than anybody, probably better than themselves most cases. So you do not give them all or treat them all the same, necessarily. If one has addiction issues or a lousy choice of of partners, right? She always picks bad guys or he always picks greedy women or she picks, you know, drunks, right? Whatever the issue is, that's that's a character flaw within them that money is only going to exacerbate. It will make it much worse in their life. It will make it more difficult for them. Because they will have their their faults amplified because they're dealing with the grieving of losing you, emotionally speaking, and they're going to be dealing with the sense of guilt that they didn't say or do, or they did say or they did do, and they can't fix it because you're gone. And then right then in that moment, you're going to add a big chunk of money to their life. So look. With the accounts that we work at with, the fixed or fixed indexed annuities or the safer money options, uh, life insurance, things that we work through that, that don't have the kind of risk that's associated with the market for sure. And in the first two I mentioned, we have zero fees. Well, Arif, how do you get paid? Because the companies are going to cap your return. You're not going to make more than 10 or 12% a year. You're going to make between zero and 10. And anybody who says, well, upfront fees... They're either ignorant or they're lying. Maybe they're just not licensed to, to offer these and they're just trying to throw you know, throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But if you put in 100000 in a mutual fund that has a 5% fee, the next day you have 95000 It's just a math problem. That means you have to earn an interest at the lower number to make up your losses that you paid in fees, then start earning new money. So who wins right off the bat, before you even walk into the arena. Well, your broker, Wall Street, they never lose. They're taking that 5% right off the top. With us, if you open an account with 100000 and you receive a 4% bonus, the next day it's 104. If it grows, you're earning 104. Interest on 104. But you're not going to make more than 10, 
maybe 12% interest in any one year. You won't go below zero. So whatever's in your account, you're going to earn every year between zero and 10 and zero and 12, something like that. That's important to know because you'll always make new money with us. It's not going to be, hey, we took 10,000. We gave you back five. We're up six. We're down four. We gave you nine. And your head spins by the end of the year. You say, okay, with all of this running in place and driving with my foot on the brake, which are fees, and the gas, which is the earnings that I'm making, where did I really end up? And they'll say, oh, you're right about here. Now, what I have found with most, maybe not all, but, but almost all, let's say most accounts, is this. When, when clients sit in front of me and we call up the company and we say, okay, what are the total fees? Look, the total fees are different. I don't want the fee for this year and then the broker gets to give you the earnings since the beginning of time that you've opened the account. That's disingenuous. Right now, now they know that. So that's back to my either they're not telling you the whole story or they're just don't know how to use a calculator. Right? So you're telling me it's one and one and a quarter percent in fees. Great. How much did it cost me? Not just your fee, but the mutual fund for everything. What did it cost me to have this account from day one? I've had it for eight years, eight years add up the cost. And then what did I put in? A hundred thousand dollars. Today it's worth hundred and thirty. Okay, that's all I want to know. You can talk about diversification and laddering and structuring and betas, and I don't care about all that. I just care what did it cost me to get where I am, all right? Because I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of the you know, magician's secrets, if you will. That's not always a conversation that, that they want to have because here's what I have found is in many occasions, the accounts have made, let's just say, 5% a year, and the fees have totaled 2.5%. Or you've made 75000 and the fees have been forty. And you go, wait a second. It's not really a 2% fee. It has turned out to a 30%. Whatever you've earned, they're take, they've made, and then they take their fees, and you get yours. Now, the math is a little bit different. I'm giving you this as an illustration. But I do want you to know that you can always ask, what did it cost me from day one? Not just the company's fees, right? The two-name company that comes on your statement, but where they're putting it and the transaction fees, okay? It's not a comfortable conversation. It's funny how many times I'll talk about this in, in that format and, and the guys or gals in the audience will write it down and then they'll go talk to their broker and you're like, oh, that's not going to go well. So you need to know what each account is doing. Because one of the things I want you to pay attention to is the risk can change everything. There's something called sequence of returns. I believe it's too difficult and too complicated to discuss on the radio because you've got to use a lot of percentages and time and all of that. And I don't think it's the right place. I think if there's a room where there's a whiteboard or a PowerPoint or some charts or you had a handout or something like that, where you could visually see it, you could audibly hear me talk about it, right? You can do your own math calculations with your, your cell phone calculator, then you would get it. But just no sequence of returns means everything. In other words, when you retire and start pulling money out style you lead, I'll give you a good example. We have a client who says, Air, if I needed to uh, buy an RV, I go, why? Well, so it's just two of them. 
just two of them. So they had to go from a 32-foot RV to a 38-foot. Well, because we needed, and then they just fill in the blank. Right? I, I can't go through and and uh, justify or criticize or anything simply because when you look at it, the all I need, how, how, how do you justify that? Right? I'm not saying they're bad or good. It's just it's an argument that's set up to just be circular. So they said, oh, we needed it. Okay, great. So what did that do? Well, I'm retiring in the next two years, but we wanted to get it while we still had a job and, and good income to qualify. Okay. Uh, how much was it? So by the time we're done, the old RV had to be wrapped into the new one. In, in other words, the costs. And that recreational vehicle, motorhome, was nice. But they are behind, right? You always lose money on motorhomes, almost always, for years, decades sometimes, depending on how long the loan is. Well, $1,500 a month for the next 20 years. Between wrapping up the loss in the old RV and the cost for the new one. $1,500 a month. Now, if they planned on retiring in two years, which is what they said, we just have to budget that that $1,500 is never going to go away. Right? They'll be in their 80s before that goes away. So, if financially you can do it, fantastic. It's just a drop in the bucket. I love it. I make $20,000 a month. $1,500 is nothing. Fantastic. I'm okay with that. But what I don't want you to do is to think that risk in your retirement accounts, in other words, they go up, down, up, down, up, down, but the payments do not. They either stay the same or they go up. Your electric bill never goes down. My dad got solar recently. Arif, for one year, we didn't even pay a bill. And now this new year's beginning and Department of Water and Power is charging me this and charging me that. And they're making this and they're making... I go, well, you wouldn't expect for them to buy back the electricity at the same rate they were initially because they have huge costs. They didn't fire half their people when half the people got solar, right? They didn't do that. They just spent less money on creating new factories or, or new uh, plants. They spent less money because they don't have to service those existing plants or build new ones. So, ask what a secretary makes there. Right? I, I think you'll be shocked. I think you'll be shocked. And listen, I, I'm okay, but you don't have a choice. It's not as if, well, I'm going to leave Department of Water and Power and go to PG&E or go to San Diego Electric or go to Utah. You can't do that, right? It's one. They decide the fee. A bunch of politicians who get paid by them, donations by them, agree. I mean, they sound kind of, you know, concerned in the meeting. Well, you know, well, we got our ratepayers matter. Okay, approved. Oh, imagine that. Another donation. And if you don't think that happens, it takes about 15 minutes, maybe more or less, to research and see who's getting paid when the rate payers are getting hosed, right? I don't know. Maybe that's not a technical term. So I always have concern about risk because you're going to have expenses that don't go backwards, but your retirement accounts can. Get them out of the market if you don't like risk. Some are part of it. Get some strategic income. Get some guarantees. Have some income 
where every few years it goes up. Right, because we expect inflation to go up a little bit. Maybe some years nothing, some years a lot. Some items a little bit, some items a lot. So why not have your income increase every couple of years? Wouldn't that be nice? Every few years, every five years. Whatever you decide, there's a way to make that happen. And never run out of money. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, does it exist? Maybe. Maybe we can help you with that. It's a matter of you just understanding some or part of your money wants to be safe. We might be able to help with that. Because a lot of what we talk about here is a change in lifestyle. Right? You went from 8 in the morning getting up and going to work and being gone and coming back to all of a sudden being in a place in life when it's called a lifetime of Saturdays. That's when people spend the most amount of money in the United States is on Saturday. So we have to plan and prepare for that. So when we return, we're going to get into some exciting stuff. Talk about semi-retirement. How do you plan to plan? How do you have a semi-retirement and never run out of money? We have that when we return. I'm Eric Halby. Let me give you the number. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back. Strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey there. Thanks for staying with me. Thanks for staying on the program. Hey, listen, we're talking about your retirement life. Uh, you know, look, there's a lot of things you can do when you're trying to plan and pre- prepare for retirement. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of a primer, you know, because a lot of us are, oh, we're conservatives, we're li- liberal, libertarians or uh, until, you know, this area. Don't touch this area, right? Whatever the, the little sacred cow is in, in all of our lives, right? I want the government to do this, but not that. Just stay away from all of this, but this. So when did retirement change? Well, well think of it this way. It used to be that companies had a responsibility to produce the safest, best product possible. If you were a company, your job was to produce a product. And people could work for you or they could not work for you. You know, certainly in a more perfect society, that's the way it would be. I I understand the argument in some of these one corporate towns, you know, one company towns. I get it. But today, especially... Everybody can get on a plane. I've been on, on planes with people who take the plane to work, right? They hop, skip from Burbank to Vegas or from John Wayne you know, up to San Francisco, and then they come back. All right, so people have the ability to be mobile quite a bit. And a company's job was to produce a product at a fair price to create it so that it was a, a good enough deal so the employees would stay and not leave and go across the street and work for somebody else. So they were in control of their own wages. They could make up their own decisions. I quit. I'm going down the street. But when a company, if you've worked for for 30 years, fires you, and you don't receive a severance, what if you quit? If you quit and say, I'm out of here, can the company say, okay, well, you've got to work for me for one week for free for the next 30 weeks because you've been here for 30 years So for 30 weeks, you have to work for me for free. You would say, what? No, I, I said I quit. Which means you're not going to deliver a product anymore. Your your labor. 
So when the company says you're fired, then our society has tended to think, well, then they owe me something. Right? Okay, now listen, you're not going to be here for the next six months, but we're going to pay you to not be here for the next six months. So what you've done is you've given up a certain amount of control. Listen, I know I have family members. Well, you don't understand. They've worked for that company and made that company. Yes, but you could quit any moment. Well, we have bills. That's your fault. Well, you know, you don't understand. No, I don't. Because I never worked at a job that I hated. Right? If I didn't like it, I'm out of there. Now, it might have taken me a couple of weeks or it might have taken me a bit to get out of there because you had to find something else to do. But slavery is dead, guys. Don't be bought by benefits or, or pensions or health care. I want you to have that freedom. Now, listen, I know most of you don't think like I do. Okay, I get it. And I understand there are exceptions. I don't buy it, but I, I understand that that's your world called your normal, your reality. But when retirement changed, when all of a sudden it went from you and your family your wisdom. That's why there's a 30-year mortgage because it took you 30 years to work and 30 years to pay it off and then you're done. Today, people are buying new houses every few years. So the mortgage is almost irrelevant. You're just renting really. So get a 50-year mortgage. There's even 90-year mortgages. It doesn't matter. You're not going to stay there. The goal isn't for you to pay it off. It's, it's to have the lowest payment for many people. I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm saying what I've seen as reality. So when a company says, and now we're in charge of your health insurance, you go, oh my gosh, you guys can barely do the product right. And now you have to make decisions who's going to handle my health insurance. You can't even handle production when we get a slowdown or when we have an increase or when that big order comes in. Well, wait, 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 you're going to handle my health care? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies, you have to do this. And then California, if you have more than these many employees, you have to provide health care. You're like, but we're not a health care company. We make computers or pens or, yep, sorry. So when you think about this, you have to ask yourself, what is it that we want a company to do? Because if a company's job is to do what it's supposed to do and to do it well, then you may want to consider yourself going, ah, oh, you know, maybe it's time to take control of my own stuff. Because when retirement changed, all of a sudden, we as employees gave up the right to retire earlier because you have to wait for the pension. Gave up the right to work with this insurance company because the comp- uh, the, the employer only uses this insurance company. Right? All of a sudden, you're abdicating a lot of your rights because it's easier, it's Simpler, it's you want to feel taken care of. Look, I, I get it. It's not a normal conversation because everybody thinks your companies deserve, you, you know, you deserve stuff. It's nice that they give you things, but I just don't want you to count on it. Right? I, I just don't expect it to always be there because the cost of products and services, the goods that we buy, have to go up. Right? What was it? Five thousand dollars per car. I think that's the the General Motors, wasn't it? Five thousand dollars per car. 
is designed to pay retirees either health care or pension? That's a huge number. But ask a staunch Democrat union guy from from the auto world, and they're going to tell you, that's right, they deserve, we deserve, we need. And how do you win, win that argument? You don't. You just go, okay. Because when you go to semi-retirement, sometimes you need flexibility. And if you're working for an employer that says, all right, that's fine, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. But if you're going to take much more than that, I own you. That means you only get two weeks of vacation a year or four weeks vacation a year. Or that means you have to wait till you're 60 to retire or 65 or 35 years of service. Right? So now you're on these train tracks that somebody else laid and you just have to go where they go as opposed to the roads. Look, there's a lot of reasons that Americans have a sense of being freedom-minded. Go to Europe. Even go to Canada. And they'll say, what is this with you guys and freedom? And you guys and guns and your car culture. Do you not see a common denominator, folks? That everything, the roads, our cars, the ability to get out, the freedom, right? In Europe, everybody operates by trains. The tracks tell you where to go. You get on, bell rings, get off. Bell rings, stand up, bell rings, sits down. In the United States, where we have basically invented the four-wheel drive vehicle, if not perfected it, where we can go off-road, right? Metaphorically speaking, you have to think about this. We have roads. You can go left, go right. Nobody's been on this road for a week. No problem. I'm on it now. We have a different sense of freedom. I'm not going to take out an ICBM missile with my, you know, nine millimeter. That's not why why we have guns. We have guns in this country that's different, right? It's a different purpose. It's why it scares the people that want train tracks. They want to be told, bell ring, stand up, bell ring, sit down. Because they want predictability. They don't trust their own instincts. And they really want someone else to tell them what to do. So what I want to do is encourage you in your retirement years to live for that freedom that so many people fought for. That live for that freedom that so many people can't live for. People in other countries would give their left arm to have an American passport. So please don't think and take it for granted as if it's some sort of a birthright just because you know, you're so good looking <laughs> that you can do, say, be whatever you want. Realize nobody else in the world has similar freedoms. Can you imagine there's such thing as hate speech? I, I, I mean, they try to go to the extreme, yelling fire in a crowded theater. I get it. Okay, so don't do that. But there's such thing as hate speech. Like, do you understand that's the only reason that you would have a law? It's like, you know, it's illegal to break in somebody's house, uh, into somebody's house. Okay, yeah, that's why we have locks. Ah, okay. Well, then it's not a big deal. We don't need locks because it's illegal. It's illegal to break in somebody's house. So, so we, we don't even need locks. No, no, no. We have our Second Amendment rights. We have our First Amendment rights, freedom of speech, because of the things we don't like. Because there's the, the freedom to break into your house, 
for people, for bad guys, we still have locks on the doors. Because there is the freedom for government to take away some of your rights, we have a First Amendment right. So don't think in your life that there's that little, that few of people to pay attention to you. Right? You matter. You matter to those around you, the conversation. Because slowly the left is trying to bring in, and I don't mean you know liberals, I mean the progressive left. They're trying to bring in the, the idea that you need and you're nothing without government. Right? Their goal is for you to, to try to figure out you, you are valued to anything other than the government. Right? The government's there to serve us. It isn't the opposite. So please keep that in mind. All right. We're talking about semi-retirement. I bring that up, by, by the way, guys. To, I took this last few minutes. is because this week there's been a lot of push in the last few weeks. A lot of push to have you give up what you call normal and be a subject of the state. Right? If you're a British citizen, you're a subject of the crown. Do you know what that means? You are owned by the crown. Well, or if it's not quite that way. Oh, really? Ask him about hate speech. Well, Australia, ask him about hate speech. Yeah, but in Canada, ask him about hate speech. All American-speaking countries, uh, I should say English-speaking countries, that's a Freudian slip, an English-speaking country, all of them that look like us, talk like us, sound like us, values like us, except hate speech. So, so be very careful because that's the First Amendment. There's a reason the founders chose it as the First Amendment and not the Ninth or the Sixth or the Fifth or the Twelfth or the Forty-Seventh. Right? It was the very first one because they disagreed vehemently with each other. And in that conversation... They chose what? To still allow disagreement. All right. So semi-retirement. Let me jump onto that. Uh, listen, you might work for 35 years. So your common uh, everyday system, right, you're used to, you're considering going to work. It's the Tuesday. It's a Friday. It's a Monday. All of that starts to, to walk you through the what's next until you retire. So that it is literally an emotional shock, a physical shock. That's why when we spoke last week about the depression that can happen, when uh, especially a man who's worked his whole life, when he retires, his other he, he didn't have another purpose usually. Like raising kids, he didn't have that purpose of providing for a home. His purpose in life was to physically go out and work and bring in dollars so that there was a place that people could be raised healthy, strong, safe, comfortable. And we don't need you anymore. We're done. The company has changed software systems six times in the last 10 years. Your boss is now 25 years younger than you. <laughs> your, your kids are grown. You did all the right things. You saved up a million plus two million in your retirement accounts. Your home is paid off. Okay, everything is good and you're retired. What is your value? Listen, I know as a child of God what it is, but I'm not talking about 
that aspect, I'm talking about you as an individual now, have to sit down with your spouse or your friends or your significant others and, and figure out what is it that I'm going to be doing next. I would prefer you you gradually go into that. I would prefer you, you have a, a slow process, if you will, semi-retirement. I like between two to four weeks off because it has to be just long enough to be done with a holiday or a vacation or the Christmas break or whatever. You have to see how you maneuver because people act differently on vacation, even husband and wives. They'll tell you either they get along better on vacation or they get along worse on vacation. They're more intimate or less intimate. They will tell you that vacation is not the norm. And when that's the case, that's the new normal when you retire, right? I say a lifetime of Saturdays because that's what it is, guys. You sit around and you go, okay, I feel lousy. I'm going to buy something. I feel lousy. I'm going to go test drive something shiny. I feel worthless. I'm going to put something on the outside, right? We start building the outside and we forget about the inner core, who we are. So semi-retirement allows a transition and even some companies will allow you to take something like a sabbatical or if you're an educator or a leave of absence for three months or six months. In other words, they'll hold your job They'll give you the ability to return. And, and it's, look, it's not completely like retiring, but it does give you a sense of the time. It gives you a sense of what you need to do with the things that are important. The people in your life, your time, your health, getting back in shape, whatever that is. I've even seen people begin uh, some sort of semi-retirement as early in their 30s and 40s, meaning that in today's young millennial, whatever it might be, bracket that is, in that age bracket world, I've even seen that group really look at what their parents did. They worked at the plant for 40 years. They did this for 35 years, miserable at the post office. Finally, they're saying, I'm going to not live like that. I'm going to reach an age. I'm just not going to spend the kind of money my parents spent on stuff. I'm going to have one or two children, not six or seven. And I'm going to retire. Look, I think there's something to be said for doing that kind of life. Nothing wrong with it. But purpose has to be the same. Because what it means is day-to-day life that is spent on expenses. I'm sorry, on experiences rather than on accumulation of stuff. Because as you start to shift, experiences matter. We're going to go here. We're going to be, uh, we're going to learn this skill. I'm going to learn to play the guitar. I'm going to learn to to be a sculptor or a painter. Sometimes it means renting a place to live versus buying. Buying a used car versus a new car. Maybe camping instead of staying at the Ritz-Carlton. For my wife, that would be pushing it, but for some. And because you no longer have the two or three or four children in tow, travel costs are a lot more manageable. You know, for you, just because travel is a passion, it doesn't mean it is for others. And often people's first go-to, and I had this this week, where somebody said, I said, so when you re- they're getting ready to retire, what do you like to do? Are you going to travel? Are you going to volunteer? What does it matter? He says, well, I'm never going to travel internationally. I did that when I was young. I want to see this great country of ours. We are so diverse. We are such a different place. 
Okay. Right? Is that a right answer or a wrong answer? It's it's neither. It's just an answer. So I want you to think about this when you go through your life and you say, all right, well, what is it that I'm going to do? But more importantly, who is it that I'm going to be in retirement? Triple eight ninety nine retire that's our number. 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. Think of it this way. As you are building your financial life, I want you to kind of layer in a few different things. And one of those is how do we keep the risk, right? That's our specialty is eliminating uh, and certainly lessening the risk that you experience in your retirement assets. You may not want it all to be in the market. You may want some or part of it to be safe. That's a big deal because the last thing you want to do is not, is not lose half of your money. A lot of fears this week on, on recessions. Is it here? Is it going to be here? Will it be here? The problem with these kinds of big issues is that the S&P 500 is about the same as it was a year ago. That means Wall Street made a bunch of fees. You lost a bunch of sleepless nights. Everybody else made, and you're right about, you ran in place. Ran in place the whole year, and you, what, sleep better? Because you're a year closer to retirement. We know that much. We know that you're a year closer to, oh, I don't know, a year closer to wanting to need them, you know, needing the money because some of you have retirement accounts that, you know, between you and me here, just you and me, you know, you will never use that money, right? It, it, it's designed for your kids or your beneficiaries, your cat, your, your children. So it's a matter of how do we create an opportunity to never run out of money. That's what we do. So keep this in mind. As you walk through this part of your financial life, you need to have two or three key things that you're going to step into. Do not stop retiring on, uh, you know, stop working on, on Friday and then Monday start this and we're done. Because the shock to your spouse and to your, your family is pretty dramatic. And then you either become a burden to them Right? I always say you chase your wife around. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's like, well, on Mondays I do this. On Tuesdays I do that. Uh, the house doesn't retire. So I am still going to work. I still have stuff to do. I still have places to go. I still have shopping, cleaning. Uh, I still have my part-time or full-time job because I'm younger. Right? I guess you can take over the, the house duties while she's working full-time. There's a lot you can do, but you need to be useful. I don't want you to say, well, the world must stop revolving because I retired, because I matter. So I think part of what you do in life is to keep the people around you happy. And whether you go from an executive at a company to a a volunteer or a part-time golf pro at your favorite golf course so you can golf for free, Right, the little nine hole. There's a line of guys trying to get that job, just so you know. It's a normal 
it's a normal transition. Somebody who's 66 or 65 who wants to golf for free. A little marshal runs around, tells you to speed up play and stop horsing around. Remember that? Yeah, that, there's some great places to be useful. And more importantly, there's a time for you to reflect. Reflect on maybe doing, saying, fixing things that maybe didn't go well for all sorts of reasons. Maybe wisdom or life experiences have taught you that, that the way that you handled X today, maybe you would do it differently. You would do it Y. So maybe spend some of this time, you know, making amends. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, long, drawn-out process. Maybe just finally have the courage to stop and talk to your daughter or your son or your wife or your, your brother or your sister. And if you're blessed to still have your parents at that age, your parents. Look, we can help you with some or part of your retirement money. Our job is the safety. It's the ability to keep you from losing your principal. That's what we do. 888-99-RETIRE. That's our phone number. 888-997-3847. And even if you have a more private conversation or a question, uh, you can always ask uh, to speak to me directly. And in our office, by the way, we have eight employees, uh, but you're not going to have this bullpen of agents. It's not one of those where, right, all of these guys pass the test and then in six months they're all vice presidents. I was helping a client the other day at a bank and the lady had a vice president. Okay, I guess, well, everybody's a vice president. So we have a staff of amazing people. Some of them are licensed, but you all deal with me. I'm the one that helps put together whatever it is that we need to do. And my staff helps with the paperwork and behind the scenes. All right, so if you have any questions, I'm here for you. I'm Arif Hallaby. This is 888-99-RETIRE. That's the phone number. Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial and Insurance Services. Again, Arif Hallaby on your place for news, talk, and information. AM 870, The Answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.